Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today, recapping week 17 in the NFL and everything that has happened, all the coaches that have been let go and uh, and the coaches who have survived, including NFL teams. Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Unbelievable. Toss to White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. One of the most exciting games in the NFL all season long went down last night, Joe, between the 49ers and Seahawks. What an exciting game that was to finish with, where the 49ers kind of went up uh, big early on, took a 13 to nothing lead. They were playing, of course, for arguably the top seed or the second seed in the, uh, in the NFC. And like they always do, Joe, the 49ers play in a close game. They take it right down to the wire, and they win. They've been doing it all season long, and they continue to do it. Still think they have a great shot to not just get to the Super Bowl, but even win it and because they've gone through so many of these close games. But Seattle certainly definitely uh, took it right down to the wire. They had the ball on the one-yard line, Joe, with 30 seconds left, and uh, let the clock run out. <laughs> Delay of game. Moved them back. I mean, that cost them the game. I mean, that was basically the game. They even had Lynch in the game on the one-yard line, so... Stats aside from this game, I think my takeaway from this is that uh, you know the 49ers, my guess, uh, are going to have a home game in two weeks. They're going to win that game, and then I don't know what's going to happen after that, but they're going to play in a game where with a minute to go, you're not going to know if they're going to win or lose because that has been their entire season. Well, if you had to rank them, or, or should I say from that scenario that you're talking about with the 49ers, who's the quarterback that scares you the most? Because sometimes it does come down to can the quarterback do enough and can the offense do enough to beat you in that close game? Now, Russell Wilson did it once already in San Francisco. So I know he's in that conversation. Is the other one Breeze? And is there another one in the NFC for you besides Breeze? No, I think that's it. I think that's it, too. I agree that that's that's the point I'm making where the 49ers could be rolling to the Super Bowl potentially now that they have that buy. That buy was huge for them. And I think in a lot of ways, it was more important for them than it was for for Seattle. And you're right. They they really this was quite a battle. It's like the football gods just don't want Marshawn Lynch to run a football in from the one yard line anymore. Something happened in that Super Bowl. And ever since they just they, nobody wants that to happen. Uh, but uh, a incredible renaissance for one of the great NFL franchises that had a good run under Harbaugh for a short time there with the Kaepernick years. And um you know, made it to the Super Bowl, fell short there in the brother versus brother Super Bowl. But really, that wasn't a very extended journey for that team. That was kind of a very quick, what, two, three, two and a half year window, maybe where they were really good. Um, they've got a chance here to really be building something here with Shanahan. And I think it's very exciting if you are 
a fan of the 49ers from the 80s and remember the golden era and then into the Steve Young era that uh, I like when big time NFL franchises are good. Even though I'm a Patriot fan, I like when the Steelers are good. I like when the 49ers are good. It's good for the NFL. The only one is the Cowboys. I just don't care about the Cowboys being good. Is that is that wrong of me? They're just not my America's team. I, I don't well, know. It's, it's good that you still have a rooting interest in this stuff. I really don't. Like for me, it's just about, you know, hoping for exciting games. That's pretty much what I what I look forward to. But yeah, I think that that analysis is pretty much set. Uh, I'm know, a history see, dork. That's why. I, I like I like the I like the history of of baseball and the history of football. I think it's fascinating to see the evolution of a league and the evolution of of where it starts and and where it ends up and and where it's going to be in ten years. And um, they did a great thing on I don't know if you caught this on Major League Baseball Network. I think it was Verducci did a great thing about how baseballs changed. And I'll get off on a tangent real quick, but the the difference of not just the pace of play, but also the the amount of time in between balls and play has gone up an entire minute on average. And that is a fascinating thing that people think, well, it's not just the pace of play, but it's also the fact of so many strikeouts and so many home runs that the ball is just not in play as much. And therefore, it almost appears to be a more boring sport in that sense. Yeah, that's a big part of what they're trying to do. And who knows if they'll fix it. The NFL uh, does not have that problem. They just have a commercial problem. I feel like they're going a commercial like every uh, 10 seconds. But uh, yeah, my guess is San Francisco gets to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they win, but they'll play. They'll play two games, one of which they'll ha- they'll need a field goal in the last second to win. I mean, this is what's going to happen, probably. And for Seattle, they're in a not a bad position either. They're only like one or two upsets away from them being right back in the Super Bowl, too. Uh, Eagles beat the Giants 34 to 17. Turns out it's the final game coached by Pat Shermer, who was fired earlier today, too. And the play calling in this game in particular and and probably all along with uh, Shermer's uh, play calling just in general was just horrible. Just a lot of really like after the game Barkley has last week and you're barely getting the ball. It just makes sense. It really does. And a good coordinator, he'll go back to being a good coordinator, but he's not going to be a head coach in the NFL again, I don't think. Uh, Eagles got their way back. They got their division. Wentz, 289, one touchdown, one pick. Boston Scott with one of the most uh, exciting runs of the year for sure on a long touchdown. 19 for 54, three touchdowns for him. Wow. Four for 84 receiving. Josh Perkins off the scrap heap, four for 50 for him. Another great game for Ward, six for 43. And Dallas Goddard, because no Ertz, four for 65. Uh, Daniel Jones was not good at all in this game. He threw for 301, one touchdown, one interception. Barkley's numbers, 17 for 92 and a touchdown, three catches, 25 yards. But Barkley had one long run. That was pretty much it. Caden Smith was the story here. It'll be curious to see what the Giants do at the tight end position in the offseason because this guy has been just as good as Engram was. Eight for 98 and a touchdown. <laughs> yes, he's been solid. Right. Uh, Golden Tate, a uh, one-handed catch in the end zone again. Five for 68 and a touchdown there. And Slayton, four for 50. But for the Eagles, Joe, that with their back against the wall again, they came through. This game was actually really close for a long time. It was until, until yeah. uh, a low snap that that Jones couldn't handle had uh, Philly scoring a touchdown, and that kind of changed the game. But there were also like a horrible. There was like the Giants went for it on a bunch of fourth downs and had horrible play calling. Like what yeah. was like the running. weather was crappy too. It was a rain throughout this entire game here. Yeah, Northeast. it was just it was bad for they'll they'll be okay. They'll they'll have some draft picks and and a couple of years hopefully they'll for the Giants they'll be good again. But for Philadelphia with Miles Sanders getting hurt, they just didn't miss a beat with this now with this Scott who had uh, I don't know if you saw that rushing touchdown where he did, did a complete pirouette and just. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just amazing. And his tweet about it after was hilarious, too. <laughs> yeah, he said it was, it was a mat, matting glitch or something. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. <laughs> you, gotta love, you know, I like the players that, that have some fun and are enjoying themselves a little bit. Uh, fun fact in this game, Carson Wentz became the first quarterback in the NFL to throw for 4,000 yards in a season without having a 500-yard wide receiver. So that is an intriguing stat. That's something that makes you really sit back and go, well, maybe Carson Wentz doesn't deserve a he's lot of good. the that he's got. He's a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. And I'm so sick and tired. First of all, it just grates me that I have to defend a Philadelphia Eagle quarterback. But I felt like all season I have to defend this guy. He's a good quarterback. Good. He's a good quarterback that does not have a wide receiver threat. Ward's played very nicely down the stretch, and maybe he's earned himself a spot next year. But if the Eagles go out there and they handle their business in the draft, get one of these big time wide receivers, they are in a good spot here next year to be very good. And I'll say, and I'll take it a step further with the Giants. I don't think the Giants are that far away. They have one of the best players in football in Saquon Barkley. I think Daniel Jones is a nice little mobile quarterback that I think with the proper tutelage can be pretty decent. Uh, you mentioned they have a, a plethora of tight ends now. Maybe they'll use both of them in this scheme. Who knows how that's going to work out? Or the tight end market with Hooper, with Henry out being out there in free agents. Maybe some team that doesn't get them makes them an offer on Evan Ingram or on Caden Smith, and they can flip them for more draft picks. There's a lot of possibilities here with the Giants because the Cowboys have been so bad this year, because the Eagles have been so middling this year that the Giants could get right back into this thing next year with a couple good draft picks, a couple good free agent signings on defense, and the right approach. And I think Shermer, unfortunately, just didn't have the right game plan and approach. And I think defensively, they were just so so terrible that it didn't matter how many points they scored, they weren't going to be able to win any football games. Yeah, it, it's a shame, but the good news is the Giants are very committed to winning. That organization sells out Absolutely. every single game. And whoever ends up there is very lucky. They're going to be in a good spot. you got a potential fan, a franchise quarterback, a potential franchise running back, very good receivers. You're right. The defense is going to be the issue that they're going to have to fix. But one draft can do that. You can draft three guys in the first three rounds. And, you know, you Chase get, Young, just get, get just getting Chase Young and a so. real pass rusher would automatically make that secondary better because you, you're putting somebody in the front who puts pressure on the quarterback immediately and, and can work out a double teams. That's a huge that's a huge difference for mediocre corners. It makes them better. Yeah, it's a good spot to go for sure. All right. So we are off and running with the second hour of our show here on Fantasy Sports today. But don't go anywhere. Coming back next, we will talk about how in the world the one team in the NFL, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Boy, you would they haven't lost a game a week 17. I saw in seven years going up in a spot against a team not playing anyone. So naturally, of course, they will win, right? Well, no, not so fast. We'll talk about the Ravens and Steelers next. Also, Cowboys and Redskins, and then move towards some of the games that were meaningless in terms of the record, but meaningful in, in terms of fantasy. Fantasy Sports Today continues right after this. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. 
And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. They made the Steelers a two-point favorite in Baltimore on Sunday, which told you something. It told you, yeah, Pittsburgh should win. They can win. But do we really trust this Hodges that he could go in and put together four quarters of football and beat the Baltimore Ravens? And you know what was interesting is that the Ravens had no interest in winning this game whatsoever. They ran the ball. 44 <laughs> times in this one and just handed it off and said, we'll just wait for this other quarterback to make a mistake. And, uh, and we'll get to him in a minute, but RG three, I, I can't even give you a stat line. There's nothing to give. He just didn't do anything. Gus Edwards, 130 yards rushing, uh, justice Hill, 39 yards rushing, and then added a touchdown. And yes, in terms of Pittsburgh, Devlin Hodges, nine for 25, nine <laughs> for 25 in the NFL with professional wide receivers and tight ends in the NFL. Uh, Snell, 18 for 91 and a touchdown. He came on late in the year. Good for him. Hopefully he'll help me next year. And uh, Deontay Johnson, four for 54. And I said on Friday, I think, here on the show, that, Joe, I'm not going to throw a Peterman on Devlin Hodges because I think that the performance from Nate Peterman, with all due respect to him and his family, was the worst I've seen in any short stretch in the NFL with the amount of interceptions that this guy threw. Okay? I mean, it's just... it was It's impossible to match what he did. But... The Steelers, Joe, they had no choice whatsoever. But I, I think, honestly, I think that they should have had a better choice than this in this game. I mean, maybe Juju and the Wildcat. or so, I mean, maybe there just wasn't enough time to get that prepared. I don't know. But, oh my gosh, this was the second worst quarterbacking run performance I've ever seen in my life watching this with this guy. He would, After Peterman, I'm putting this Duck Hodges as the second uh, not worst. I hate to say someone's terrible or bad because they're an individual person. But in terms of performance, this is the second worst performance I've ever seen from a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it makes you wonder had they uh, just bit the bullet and, and made a deal at the break for uh, just a Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque kind of guy, they'd probably be in the playoffs, right? I mean, let's be honest. The quarterback play, not to mention the injuries of Juju and Connor, that was very difficult to overcome. And a but lot the injuries of injuries. Of, yeah. But the injuries of Connor, you know what? Benny Snell played well. Benny Snell, when given the chance, I don't think any, I mean, Benny Snell was basically 75 and a touchdown, you know, thereabouts when he got the opportunity to be the guy. And I think that's what you're looking for. That's good. Like, that's that's all right. So I, I kind of struggle with this because I feel like this was one of the best jobs Mike Tomlin's done, if not the best job of coaching, to get this team to the week 17 with all these injuries and all these stars gone and all these leaders gone off the field. And they're right there on the precipice controlling their own destiny, basically, in week 17. And then they they failed. And I don't know. I just I feel like organizationally, this is just a terrible job by them not going out and searching for some other quarterback that's just been out there and can do it. And I think that would have equated to at least one more win and one more win gets them in the playoffs. And they're not winning a Super Bowl this year. I get it. I mean, but the problem is, if you're going to be competitive and be as good as they were, they had an opportunity to be awful and would have gotten a big draft pick. And they could have been really good maybe next year, depending on who that player was. And that does matter. So now you're kind of spinning your wheels again as an eight win team, right? They, would they finish with eight? Is that what they finished? I'm trying to remember, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it was a failure on the, at the general manager level of personnel where they didn't, they didn't assess Mason Rudolph and Hodges correctly of, yeah, emergency is one thing, putting these guys out there week to week and then giving everybody else footage on them and what they don't do well was going to come back to haunt you. And they should have gone out there and found somebody. And I don't think they're going to make that same mistake next year with Roethlisberger. They're going to have to bring in a real secondary quarterback to, you know, to be the guy because Roethlisberger is not getting any younger and you cannot have this happen twice in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't run Wildcat all game. Like, I, I just I agree. It's a good I, point. I, I, mean, I can't I can't answer that <laughs> or or even sign anyone off the street like anyone. I mean, uh, it's just here's here's another question for you. It's a fantasy related question. All of my worst fears came true with James Conner this year. My worst fears were what if Roethlisberger gets hurt? What if James Conner can't stay on the field because he's had so many injury issues? What if what if and all the terrible what ifs all came to fruition? Are you the kind of person that can shake those off and go into 2020 and draft James Conner? Because I'm not. I, I I don't even with Roethlisberger back. I think there will be a whole narrative of, oh, everything's going to be fine again. And I'm not there with Conner. I would rather draft Benny Snell rounds and rounds later and hedge my bet that way than make an early investment in Conner. It'll probably be a two running back system there is my guess next year because they'll realize that Conner's a little bit more injury prone. Right. So, but uh, Connor will still have his games. I don't think that he'll be done. But I also don't think that the Steelers took Snell in the third round or fourth round to have him do nothing. They saw a pretty decent performance from him. So, I think both will play. Cowboys beat the Redskins forty-seven to seventeen. Dak Prescott. It, it feels like Jerry Jones must have told the Cowboys, "Listen, I don't care how many points you have. I want you to keep going and leave the fans happy," uh, which they barely did. Three hundred three, four touchdowns uh, for Prescott. Elliot, where was this game last week? By the way, Elliot eighteen for one twenty-two and a touchdown. Gallup also finished the season strong, five for 98 and three touchdowns. Unfortunately, Amari Cooper finished very quiet, four for 92 uh, on the season. Case Keenum, who will be back next year for some team, is their backup, probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. 206, one touchdown, one pick. Adrian Peterson, 13 for 98. McLaurin didn't play, but this Steven Sims played well again, five for 81 and a touchdown. And with McLaurin and Sims, looks like they have a nice little one-two there. But for Dallas... Uh, just too late, Joe. They had their opportunity all season long to do uh, this sort of stuff in terms of where they rank uh, statistically at the end of the season. They're a top 10 team in the NFL. I mean, it's scary. They were a top 10 team that didn't make the playoffs. And so, um, you know, we'll await the final decision here. But I think that we will get a decision pretty soon on their uh, on their quarterback. And even at the time that we're doing the show, my um, guess is Garrett eventually will be gone. I, I think it's time. I, I, I don't think you can have a team with this much talent and this much expectations and fail again and not be held accountable. And I feel like Jason Garrett would be the guy to tell you that. Um, if you go and you look at the opportunities they've had too, I mean, you you beat the Giants, right? Then you lose a close game to the Vikings. Um, you lose a, a tough game in a tough weather scenario in New England. So that was a tough one. And then I, everybody I think thought they would bounce back at home against Buffalo and they didn't. And I feel like that Buffalo game, that was where the downward spiral really just hit an all new one. Cause I think they did not expect to lose that football game. And I think they took how good Buffalo was for granted. And Buffalo went out there and just put a KO on them in that game. That was, a, that was, that was a Buffalo strong game in their building in Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. And they did not recover from that. And then after that, you could see it. They lost the very next week to the damn Chicago Bears. And I just think ever since, they've just been sputtering and sputtering and sputtering. And, you know, just handle your business. I mean, the, you know, the other one that comes to mind, too, is remember that awful, surprising loss to the Jets in New York that nobody yeah. saw coming? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was another one. We just, what's going on? How do you not, I don't know. It's, I don't know how you can continue with Jason Garrett there. I don't think you want to get rid of Dak Prescott. I don't think that's the answer. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see this offseason there. I mean, if, if they... That's the best job, don't you think, of all the jobs? That or that the Giants, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with Jerry Jones. So would you rather take the talent and deal with Jerry Jones? At least you know he wants the win. Or do you deal with maybe a franchise still kind of coming up a little bit with the Giants, like in terms of like the personnel, and take that and build your own there with the 
obvious shadow of the New York media looming over you. Yeah, the, the Cowboys just don't go outside the box, though, with Jerry. You know, like it's the only time they did that. They were both disasters. Jimmy Johnson, after winning a lot, they got rid of. And Bill Parcells, they felt like he was take, you know getting too much control. They got rid of him, too. So my guess is, Joe, it's going to be a guy that we uh, has a cowboy history of some kind. You know, like I think that Jerry is the general manager and he in, in his interviews, he says, I am the general manager and then he's the owner. So I don't know. I mean, you can't really fault him, honestly. Like, he spends the money. He gives the players the money. He built this unbelievable stadium. Like, I don't know. Like, I... Well, it's like winning under Steinbrenner. And and eventually what happened was uh, it took a voice like a, a Joe Torrey who was willing to stand up and have those battles. And yeah, Steinbrenner I, I, respected him. Maybe somebody... May, maybe he'll go down that road. But the last two times he did, he fired the guys. Yeah. It's 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 certainly tricky, man. That's Brought really- in Parcells. No good. Jimmy Johnson, no good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Two Hall of Fame coaches for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, well Jimmy Johnson at least won a couple Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's you know, that yeah, was well, that was. Well, Parcells was not in Dallas long enough to do anything. No. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back next. It is uh, Falcons and Buccaneers. You knew how this game was going to end yesterday, and also the Bears and Vikings played yesterday to a very low scoring unshockingly affair as all the games played themselves out in interesting ways yesterday and we'll have them all for you coming up next on fantasy sports are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast sports grid will provide you with real-time content statistics and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS line combinations and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you're doing it wrong. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com. That is where millionaires are made. Welcome back. Fantasy sports today. Speaking of millions, that's what Jameis Winston wants. And will he get it? We'll find out. Matt Ryan's made millions over his career. He's done pretty well. Got a win yesterday. 313 and one touchdown. Devontae Freeman, 58 yards. Julio Jones, 7 for 78. Nothing else worth mentioning. Jameis Winston, 201, two touchdowns, two picks, including, of course, a pick six to end the game in overtime, which is the way his season should have ended. Ronald Jones, 11 for 106. Uh, Rashad, Rashad Perryman, an absolute monster down the stretch. Five for 134 and a touchdown. They got three good wide receivers in Tampa Bay, but one quarterback that is going to be the enigma of the offseason. If there's any one player, Joe, that I am most looking forward to seeing where he's going to end up, it is uh, Winston, who threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and has proven time after time to be a monster fantasy quarterback, but a disaster in reality. And I don't know how any team could give this guy 25 or $30 million guaranteed. I can't see it. I can't see Tampa Bay doing it. If Bruce Arians is this quarterback whisperer, 
and he can't get Winston to calm himself down, how can anybody else? He'll have a starting gig in the NFL next year, Joe, but if some team is crazy enough to give this guy $30 million, and they deserve what they got coming. Yeah, I, I, I certainly understand that. Um, I was trying to think just off the of my head like did, did Brett Favre ever have a 30-30 season because I know he threw a lot of picks but even Brett Favre uh, did not have a 30-30 season he had 29 picks uh in 2005 for Green Bay but that's that, that was the highest total for him uh there he had 24 in 1993 but 30 for 30 there 30 and 30 that's uh you know it's not Barry Bonds 30-30 that's for sure that's <laughs> not something you want to necessarily uh take home with you but I don't know if I've ever seen a more fitting end to a season than James Winston throwing a pick six in overtime. I mean, that just that is encapsulates everything so beautifully. This is the metaphor of sports. This is those moments where you can't write it. It's just so perfect. It's so fantastic. I still think there's better than a coin flip, not by much, like a 55, 45% chance that he ends up back with Tampa. But I, I'm with you. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I, I think they would be better off getting a Phillip Rivers, getting an Andy Dalton, and then taking that cap money and spending it elsewhere because they have a lot of other needs. And if they can address running back, maybe if they could address some of those secondary issues, they have bringing a real safety who can not only cover guys, but also be a physical presence that would change them a whole lot. I don't think Tampa's that far away. I agree. Godwin and Evans are all world. I, I, I think Bruce Arians and I'll always battle this. I think he's a hell of a football coach that people want to play for. And he's had success everywhere he's ever been. I don't think that Winston ultimately is being the guy you can win a Super Bowl with. And if that's the case, it's always fun about Odell Beckham. Like I never saw him playing in a Super Bowl. I just think he's that kind of personality that and the kind of player that drags you down in all accounts. And Winston, I think, is you've given him a fair shake. I don't think anybody can say you didn't give him a fair shake. And I just don't see it. I don't I don't see how you can't move on and let him go somewhere else. And I think he now that's a guy if I'm Pittsburgh, I'd like to take it and put there, but he's gonna find a job somewhere else. Yeah, he'll be a starter. Else take a yeah. Shot. yeah, he'll be a starter. I don't think he'll get the money that he's asking for. And Arians is not in this to rebuild. And Tampa Bay does feel like, you know, to win. I mean, you could probably say this about honestly any team in the NFL, but Tampa Bay was basically four or five mistakes and two wins away from getting into the playoffs. And nobody I don't think you can say that as much about as a lot of teams this year. I mean, I, I feel like the Bears, no matter how what they did, they were terrible this year. The Cleveland Browns are terrible this year. I mean, you could say that about a, a cluster because it's just the nature of the beast. But I feel like you would put Tampa at the top of that list of just a couple things. And this team is right there in a division where I think they can compete in the future, too. I really do. Yeah, they they should. They should. But they probably have to make that decision sooner than later. Uh, Bears probably have to make a decision on their quarterbacking, too. Uh, they beat the Vikings 21 to 19. They almost gave this game away late. I mean, honestly, Minnesota did not care to even be in this game. But uh, mistakes by the Bears put them right back in it. Vikings kicked a field goal late. And then, of course, Chicago just drove on all of uh, Minnesota's backups and kicked a field goal to win. Trubisky, 207, nothing else. Montgomery had a good game, 113 and a touchdown. Allen Robinson, another solid game to end the year, 9 for 71. Minnesota played Sean Mannion, and he wasn't very good. Two interceptions for him. Mike Boone came through finally with the game. Well, finally, I mean, everyone thought last week. It turned out to be this week, 148 and a touchdown, two receptions. And we're getting into the zone here, Joe, with these games. They really didn't mean anything. So no. not a lot to add here, except for the Bears had a clearly disappointing season. I think the Vikings will be okay. Like, I, I don't think they're going to get blown out by the Saints. And, you know, people are looking at, I don't, how could anybody look at yesterday's game as any kind of indication whatsoever? I, I know they're banged up and Cousins has not played good in big games. I, I guess in my heart of hearts, Joe, I'm hopeful. I guess that's the word. I'm hopeful that the Vikings can play a competitive game against New Orleans. They certainly did a couple of years ago. 
when they had that magical ending. But um, as far as the Bears go, they I think they got to do some sort of overhaul in the offseason. I, I can't see them coming back like they did this year. No, and I, I I think they've they've definitely got to figure it out. I think a couple of takeaways are Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver too in PPR. Every week he's going to give you this like eight for seventy kind of line or something like that. He's double digits every week with a few touchdowns, no matter how bad Trubisky plays. And that's that's something you could take home and look at twenty twenty. Uh, Boone, man, how pissed are people who got the dud game from Boone last week in week sixteen when they needed him, and then this week he has one forty eight and touchdown. Uh, I'll say this about the Vikings too. I'll be very surprised if they pay Dalvin Cook because with Boone, with Madison, with all these options that they've had and these guys who look good running in this offense, I don't know, Craig. I don't see how a guy who's been hurt more in his career than he's been healthy is a guy you're going to make a major investment in. And it could be a situation because he's on that last year of that deal where he holds out and they might say, okay, go hold out. I, I think Dalvin Cook is a dangerous fantasy asset next year. I understand how good he can be but I think there's a lot of variables that people aren't really thinking about when they're evaluating him overall. I'll still right now, the way Saquon's finished up healthy and shown that he's healthy again. I think I'd rather have Saquon Barkley than Dalvin cook. Would you mm, very close? Uh, probably Barkley, but I still think cook is an absolute beast. It's just, you know, the injury stuff is, is interesting. It's because this is your, this is another year where he's hurt. And, and I granted you gate, you got like what? 14 great weeks or whatever, 15 great weeks out of him. But, here we are again when you need him the most <laughs> he's not there and i think that takes its toll on your uh, on what your asset is in fantasy football and no matter how good you are you have to sit back and go well yeah but you're on the are you on the field and what do i have to pay for that and i have if i have to blow my top five overall pick on you would i rather have 16 pretty good games from ezekiel elliott or 12 amazing games from dalvin cook and it's a real question to ask yourself yeah, probably the amazing games. <laughs> Honestly, it's fair. That's it's what fair. Fan, it's kind of what fantasy is about. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be like that, but that's what it is. Uh, Jaguars beat the Colts thirty-eight to twenty. Good job by Jacksonville to close out the season. Pretty good. Minshew two ninety-five, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Raquel uh, Armstrong, is it uh, or Armstead? I don't know. Armstead. Yep. Armstead thirty-three yards rushing, five for fifty-two, and a rece- and a touchdown for him. He'll be an interesting handcuff next year too. Uh, because Fournette didn't play. D.D. Westbrook, 72 yards and a touchdown. And Keelan Cole, three for 67 and a touchdown. Chark really finished the season quiet. Uh, speaking of quiet, wow, Jacoby Brissett in the last eight games of the year, just uh, I think I saw a stat seven games in a row or eight games in a row of less than 175 yards passing. Marlon Mack, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Hilton, three for 72. We focus a lot on the quarterback in both reality and fantasy, and I think you can here too as well. Minshew, when he has time, is a good quarterback in the Andrew. NFL. I mean, I he, he has to have time. He's not a big guy. He can't throw over this line. It's not going to work. But his offensive line in this game protected him very well. The Colts had no pass rush whatsoever. And Minshew looked great. Uh, conversely, uh, Brissett didn't have a ton of time, but he certainly had enough to not make the kind of mistakes he made in this game. He basically gave the game away, fumbling all over the place. And they invested a lot of money in him. They'll have to make a tough decision, I think, in the offseason. Maybe at least they'll bring in somebody to compete with Brissett if if things go bad, like a Mariota situation in Tennessee. Uh, but but Jacksonville, Joe, they finished the season strong. And, and 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 that's another team that I think that could end up with nine or ten wins if the right things break for them. But uh, yeah. the, the I like Minshew's energy. That's what I like. Don't you feel he has, he he has an energy on the field? I think that matters. You know? I yeah, don't know. I, they'll, I don't, they'll have to have somebody else, too. But... If if they had a really good offensive line, I could keep Minshew in there as the starter. They have to have a they, they, he cannot 
throw over the, the these big linemen though you can see him like he becomes smaller and tries to sneak out of it <laughs> that that's the only thing with him but talk about a guy with zero pedigree that ended up having a really good season that's that's he's at the top agreed uh, i i think that uh, he is definitely the guy that you want playing quarterback next year and you want to take that money you know, out of the cap for Foles and find a way to move on from that. I guess they're just going to cut him would be my guess. He'll have a job. You talk about a lot of guys opening a lot of spots. Nick Foles is going to land somewhere. Uh, maybe he's a backup in Pittsburgh next year. Who knows? But uh, I think Minshew is the guy. I think DJ Sharkey look back and there's another guy who had a very good season where you can look back and go, hey, this is a this is a solid guy we can build on. Uh, you look at the year Fournette had. There was a lot of failures on defense of this team. And going back to Brissett too. The T.Y. Hilton injuries, and I use that plural injuries, did not help Brissett. He didn't have a ton of weapons. He lost Ebron. He lost Mack for a couple games. He lost T.Y. Hilton. And even when T.Y. Hilton came back, I think we can all agree T.Y. Hilton has not been healthy these last couple games if you're watching him play. So uh, the Colts definitely could turn the page with Brissett and go out there and get another quarterback. And I would not blame them for a second for doing that. Frank Reich, I think, has done a tremendous job under enormous adversity. And he's not going to win coach of the year, but he certainly should have had consideration for it. Um, but Doug Marone's another one of these coaches that's on the bubble. They're supposed to meet later in the week. I would be very surprised if he maintained that job. I really would. I think they're going to have a change, too. It seems like this is a big another year where you're going to get almost a third of the league turned over. Are Probably. you surprised that Dan Quinn held his job? Because I know we started this segment with the Falcons, but we didn't really get into that. Are you shocked or surprised at I'm, all? That- I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with going into a lame duck season in a season where you don't expect to win. And I think that could be Atlanta situation. Like maybe Atlanta looks at it and says, you know, we're just not as good as the Saints, you know, like we're just we're not going. I mean, we have the talent, but we're not going to be that great. Why not just ride it out with this guy and see what happens? It could be. It could be. Look, they played much better down the street. The record is undeniable in the second half of the season with the Atlanta Falcons. Undeniable. And if they're going off that and the owner's going off that, then it makes some sense. Okay, coming up next, Bengals and Browns close out their season. Can we find any stats to talk about with the Jets and Bills and the Broncos and Raiders? We'll try for Fantasy Sports today coming up. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia here with you on this coaching firing day in the NFL. Dr. Rota will have the latest on that coming up in about 15 minutes from now, so stay tuned. But let's uh, close out the books here in 2017, Joe, with some games that meant nothing. But every game means something if you got money on it, that's for sure. Uh, the money was on the right side on the Bengals this week, no doubt about that. 33-23, to 23, they beat the Browns in a battle of Ohio. Uh, Mixon, 162 yards and two touchdowns for him. He closed out the season very strong. 
I'm curious to see what what kind of money he gets next year going into his free agent season. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, 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 I've said it. I'll say it again. My prediction is he holds out. I don't think. I th- you know what? I don't even think he's going to have to. I think they're just going to pay him. They better. I, I, well, I would not play with him under the rookie deal. I wouldn't. Well, here's it. the thing. If if you're Cincinnati and you're looking right now, you're going to take Burrow. I think everybody knows that's what's going to happen. Ooh, Joe Burrow. You sure? Yeah, I think it's going to be. Everybody knows it's going to be Burrow, right? I love the banners, by the way, that the, the fans had. That was very entertaining. All the welcome, welcome home, Joe Burrow. Poor Andy from Dalton. Ohio. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> poor, poor Andy Dalton. <laughs> back and look at these things. But you know, if you have him, the first thing you want to do is you want to get a good offensive line. The second thing you want is make sure you have a running game to support him. And man, Joe Mixon's a pretty darn good running back. He is he is in that grouping right now. And talk about finishing strong over the last 10 weeks or so. If you had bought low at any point in time and Joe Mixon in the season, you are you loved life in 2020. He, yeah. His volume was spectacular. He had over 300 touches on the year. I mean, this is what you want out of a running back. And and he's been pretty durable over this last, you know, two years. I, I would absolutely be just paying him and don't don't start this year off next year with a rookie quarterback and a fight with Joe Mixon. That's not what you want to do. With the fan base It's not what you want to do for the rookie quarterback. You want everybody in camp working together. I think he gets paid. I think Dalvin Cook has a better chance of holding out. All right. Well, we'll see. I, I, I'll predict Mixon holds out uh, Boyd five for fifty nine and he closed out the season. Well, why couldn't he have done this last week and not what he did is my question. But that's a story for another day. Mayfield two seventy nine, three touchdowns, three picks. He did not have a good season, both reality and fantasy, both Landry and Beckham. They got to eat a little bit. They scored touchdowns. Chubb closed out the season in a uh, pretty poor fashion, 13 for 41. But again, he had a really good fantasy season. First round pick like oh, Nixon would one. be. Yeah, I mean, he had Nixon in rushing pick. overall is pretty darn good last time yeah. I checked. Yeah, good good year for him. Uh, but the Browns will have a lot of work to do in their offseason. If you want to go back and listen on demand, you can hear us talk extensively about potentially what the Browns could or should do. They ended up firing their coach yesterday. No surprise in Freddie Kitchens. Talent is there, no doubt, both on offense and defense, but they're going to have to get that sorted out. And fortunately, next year, we at least won't go into the year, assuming that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl or even come close. We'll have to temper our expectations there. Uh, Jets and Bills, 13-6. to 6. I watched this game very closely yesterday, having the under in this one, which was the right call. Thankfully, my other calls were not so good. Um, I don't know. I got nothing, Joe. I mean, this is the first game all year long that I could say I got nothing. This game was, well, what's dre- to it, say? Was, it was dreadful. The Bills, uh, McDermott did the smart thing. He played Josh Allen for three series, pulled him out. Singletary didn't play. Gore played a little. The receivers didn't play at all. Right. They're, they're, he pulled their defensive players one at a time. He kept calling timeouts, and the guys would come out. The crowd would give him, you know, cheer for them. It was great. I mean, honestly, for preseason Buffalo. game, that's what this was. And the Jets, <laughs> in in their best opportunity all year long to just put a thumping on a team, come out with a thirteen to six win, and they finish the season seven and nine. And uh, there just there's no stats from this game that were meant anything. No, there, there's DFS nothing from this game. You know, with everybody firing coaches, I can't believe that Adam Gase is going to have a job next year. Yeah, and it seems like it It seems like it's all locked up. And it seems like Le'Veon Bell is going to be somewhere else, which is also staggering to me when you think about it. Um, and and I, I also say this, Le'Veon Bell was a model citizen in training camp, even despite all the, when the we know publicly the coach doesn't want you, he did not pop off one time in camp. He was a good citizen. He had some injury issues. They just didn't use him properly. They didn't, they don't care. I don't know what it is, but you know, by the time you get to the, uh, He's got the flu and he's missing games, but he's really out bowling. And I, I don't, I, I don't. That's not the right thing to do either. But I understand. Like I understand that for a certain point, he's like, "Man, I'm done. I'm out. This is not, you know, what am I doing here? What's what's the point of all this?" So yeah, there's nothing to talk about here except the Jets are going to be a. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to win seven games next year. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're one of those teams you probably could go the other way on. Where, they, where I think where they're, they're their season the win way. total is going to be probably exactly what it was this year. It feels like a seven, seven and a half. You watched and, a lot of this end of the season. Do you think the Dolphins are a better football team than the Jets right now? 
Uh, I can't say that. I can't say that. Uh, Do you think it's close? It's probably close. Okay, I think the Bills I, are I, much Obviously, better. Joe, I have to see the personnel for the Dolphins. I guess the point too. I'm making is they're potentially the fourth best team in that division already. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's possible. The thing with the Dolphins, too, though, think about it, is that with the pick that they have, if they still end up taking Tua, they could bring back Fitzpatrick. Not to say that Fitzpatrick isn't good, but remember, Fitzpatrick has Fitzpatrick is not an 11-win guy. He's an 8-win guy, right? He's right. good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. So if the Dolphins are, let's say, hypothetically, they make that jump from 5 to 8, and let's say the Jets don't make a jump or are the same or worse. There's not a lot of separation there, but it's close. No, it's it's definitely close. I don't know, man. I, I mean, Sam Darnold hasn't won eight games either yet. <laughs> so I just, you know. No, but he also I missed mean, games during the season, too. I mean, he, it was he did. Robbie Anderson's against, probably not going to be there. Maybe. Le'Veon Bell's not going to be there. How, how, how is this NFL deal? Like, a free agency's looking stupid now. Like, all these guys saw, oh, my gosh, the Jets got Bell and Jacksonville got Foles. They're just gone after one year. I mean, I guess. I mean, NFL free agency, they should just give one year deals out then right like well, I mean, that's why, why would any that's the way to go well the, the the equivalent is that they they are because you can get out of them early right because the signing well, player plays well you're not going to get rid of him if nick Foles won 10 games this year and they're in the playoffs they wouldn't be looking to get out of that deal no, it'd be, he it'd didn't be, he got be, hurt and he'd be saving one. it but it, it almost feels dirty though that teams can get out of it after one year like shouldn't be it does it does uh, look i've a been penalty of some kind. Thumping, i've been thumping the table there should be more guaranteed money in the nfl for quite some time considering the attrition of injuries and what these guys deal with. Uh, you know, I know we kind of glossed over that Cleveland game. I just want to ask you another question about Baker no Mayfield more, too, no because Browns, please just, just one question because oh. I, because it did come up and it is relevant news wise that apparently they've asked to talk to Josh McDaniel for this job. Is Josh McDaniel the right guy in your mind to, to get the most out of Baker Mayfield? No, I don't think so either. No. So, all right. I just want to be, I, I just, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of the uh, the wacky guy relieving the wacky guy. I mean, maybe it'll work. We've seen stranger things, but I don't know, man. I think Baker Mayfield stock is much lower going into 2020 than it was going into 2019. Oh, for sure. OK, uh, final game to discuss. The uh, the Broncos Raiders was the last day football game of the Sunday NFL season. That thing went all the way down to the end. One of the uh, workers at the stadium got hurt, so it got delayed by like 20 minutes. Uh, Raiders uh, tied the game with no time left. They went for two and didn't get it. It was the first two-point conversion attempted by the Raiders all season long, ironically. Lock 177 and a touchdown for Denver. Lindsey 53. Okay, fine, whatever, nothing else. Carr 391 and a touchdown. Washington was really good. 77 rushing yards, eight catches, 55 yards. Waller closed out the season as some people suspected he would with 6-107. and and let's put a big circle around this kid, Hunter Renfro, for next year because he has really looked good. Oh, yeah, baby. Year. Yeah, he's Told you. Be a nice yeah, let's tell you. That is not surprising. When you watched how much they gushed over him in that silly hard knock show, you could tell that he was going to get a shot at some point and be a guy. And, and that's one of those dudes, like if you picked him up in Dynasty on the cheap this year, you got to like, because I think he's a wide receiver three next year in PPR without a doubt. Could be. Don't you think? Yeah. I wish I would have gotten him over uh, Isabella. I made the wrong choice. But yeah, six for 102 for Renfro. And uh, it's going to be contingent on a, a quarterback. And it's going to be contingent upon a very good wide receiver because he's not going to He'll be a very inconsistent volume guy, but if he has somebody else that can take that away from him uh, over the middle, not Tyra Williams, but somebody else like an Antonio Brown, Renfro could be a really, uh, really good receiver next year for sure, like an Edelman type, no doubt. Um, in terms of the Raiders, end of an era, Joe, they leave uh, Oakland, that's it. They go to Vegas. I'm going to try to go to that uh, first game in Vegas. I'm thinking about doing oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm guessing, Joe, uh, well, let, let's do the Raiders, then we'll do the Broncos. I'm guessing in discussing it, me and a buddy were discussing yesterday, would you guess thinking this through a little, that the Raiders will open up in their new stadium Monday night, right? That feels like it's going to happen, like as the second Monday night game in the NFL season, right? Like that opening Monday um, to Monday night game? 
Yeah, I mean, unless you want them to open the whole season. Do you on think the they would night. do that though? Don't they usually do the Super Bowl champ? I don't know. I don't. I don't see that happening. I thought about that, and then I thought it's, about uh, Sunday night football, and I thought, oh no, they're not going to do that. I think Monday night. Monday do, feels very Oakland. How is the Oakland Raiders now? That this is going to screw me forever. You know, <laughs> like right. it took me a while to get off the San Diego Chargers, but um, yeah, you're. I think you're right. I think that. Be, late I don't Monday think they're night, doing a four right. o'clock game uh, on a Sunday. I think it's a night game. And would it be I would, first Sunday night football too? I mean, I, that, I thought that about first, that. I thought about because that that's too. the one that gets the biggest rating. They, I know, it or but, not, but it's the, but it's the Raiders that aren't that great. You know, like are they the draw because of the stadium? I don't think so. I think it's Monday. I night. think they're the draw because of the franchise. Again, this is one of those storied franchises that has a huge fan base, um, and I think there's a curiosity level out there where look, everybody in week one Sunday night football is going to be watching no matter what. So. If you could kind of present the new stadium, present the new franchise, if you're the NFL, the absolute best place to do it is Sunday night football because of the ratings they get. Monday night, the second game is not quite as good because it does start a little later on the East Coast than it does. So I actually think Sunday night football might be the best version of that where they would flex it to Sunday night. I hope so, but I have a Because they could promote it all Sunday. It's like, oh, and tonight the Las Vegas Raiders premiere. You know, it's kind of, you know, you could promote it during the one and the four o'clock games leading all the way up to it. Because sometimes, you know, games do get lost in that two night. I love the double Monday night. Don't get me wrong. The double header is my favorite thing. And we got some a good game last year out of that. That Saints mm-hmm. yeah. game was terrific with the Texans to start the year. But I think Sunday night football, you build it and you have everybody there covering because, you know, they do that hour infomercial for the Sunday night game before the Sunday night game on, on NBC. Yeah. Doesn't that feel right? Like everybody interviewing the people, you know, you talk to ownership, you talk to the the mayor of Las Vegas, you do all this hype around it and you create like a whole hour program about this move and this new franchise and this new city. That to me is the infomercial I think the NFL might be looking for. And I don't think you can do that Monday night on ESPN. They don't have the same ability to do that and get to everybody that NBC has. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a night game. Maybe it'll be Sunday, maybe Monday, uh, but definitely way, a night game for sure. You're right. It's not a four o'clock. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, look, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think I don't think you get that at all. No, but it'll be exciting. I I, I am hoping that it's Sunday night because then that would make it real easy to to go in, watch the early games, then go to the stadium and then leave uh, Monday morning after right. games are over. Otherwise, it's, uh, you know, just waiting all day for the Monday night game. I'm, I'm are hoping the Raiders that, going I'm, in the right I'm direction hoping. for you. Uh, it's 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 interesting what they're going to do in the offseason. I don't know. Like everyone is so quick to say that they should uh, dispose of Carr, but Carr, while he's not a top ten guy, like I I think that there's you're not going to get a much better option there than Carr. Like I don't know if they can bring in and they've got cap room. If they can bring in AJ Green, who I think fits this perfectly, a true number one wide receiver. He didn't play all this year. You take that shot on that kind of a guy. You got a new new building, new location, star power. You put AJ Green, you have Tyrell Williams on the other side. You got Waller then freed up quite a bit. You got Renfro in the slot. You got Josh Jacobs and Washington proved that he can carry the football too this year. That is a pretty good offense. You fix a couple defensive things and you address some more offensive line stuff. My goodness. Like I, I feel like if that building becomes a home field advantage because everyone's, you know, you've seen this in lots of sports. You know, first year in a new building is a huge advantage because it's sold out all the time and everyone's super excited and, you know, it's a whole different environment and the energy is different. The players have a, a fresh sense of a fresh start. I think the Raiders could be very dangerous. They really turned things around this year. They were relevant. They were a good sub 500 team for a while. They just missed the playoffs. I think next year, this could be a team that really contends, especially with the Chargers being in a rebuild. Yep. All right. We'll uh, take a quick time out on fantasy sports today. When we come back next, it's time for our two minute drill. 
Also, one quick note in the NFL, uh, more bad news uh, for the Dolphins earlier this morning was reported. We should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, their top cornerback, Pro Bowl cornerback, Xavier Howard, arrested for uh, domestic violence, which definitely puts his season in 2020 on jeopardy for them. Okay, we'll be back to wrap up the show with the two-minute show. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today as we wrap up the show for this Monday, December 30th. We end it all with the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? I know a lot of people are going to take a look at these games in the NFL this weekend and simply look at what's happened over the last few weeks and then make your judgment. I would warn you to be very careful. And the other part of this is that historically speaking, the teams that have those bye weeks in the NFL are going to do very well, both straight up and against the spread next week. But this week, it's time for the dogs to bark. And folks, I got to tell you, nothing would shock me this week. The Bills, the Titans, the Seahawks, the Vikings, I think that they could all win on the road. So as you're making your final analysis, don't look at what you have done for me lately in terms of wins and losses. Look at the course of the whole season. Don't be mistaken about teams that had almost no motivation going into games this week, specifically the Minnesota Vikings and the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills. Look at the body of work over the course of the whole year and go back and look at, historically speaking, what has happened to some of these wildcard teams in the opening week. Could some of the road teams go on the road and win in uh, you know, in another park? Of course they can, and it's going to happen. One of the four teams at home, at the very least, is going to go down. But the bottom line is, don't look at last week. Doesn't mean a heck of a lot. That'll do it for the show. Full-time fantasy is coming up next. You can catch me and Joe tomorrow, noon Eastern, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Enjoy the bowl games today and a little Orange Bowl tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest right here on Fantasy Sports Today. For Sean Glostabakia and my co-host Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Have a great day, everybody. See you.